0: Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Kogo. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and editor in chief at Voice of San Diego. Joined, as always, by managing editor Sarah Livy. Hello, Sarah. Hello. A lot going on this week. Andrew Keats is still off. He's okay. He's fine.
1: Yeah, I don't miss him. So I,
0: yeah, it's it's really really quite a relief. Uh, everything's going quite well. Finally. Uh, Coming up on the show today, we're in the middle of a packed PolitiFest. We've been doing it for three days now. We are going to keep going. There's a lot of other news happening, though. Remember that old skydiving facility that was going to help fix homelessness in the city of San Diego? Not a good week for that. (laughs) Not not an ideal week for that project. Calvin Barrios suspended his campaign for San Diego City Council District 9. Why so many powerful people polled their support. And Proposition 15 has tripped up some Democrats. We'll explain it and why that happened. But first, PolitiFest, been going. Uh, Sarah, you did your panel or your your uh, rundown of the ballot measures, the California ballot measures, not the local ones. I was thinking an hour was a little long, but you had to pack it in.
1: <laughs> yeah, we cut it down to the wire. There are a lot of ballot measures, and some of them... I'd say one or two are really easy to understand and straightforward, and then the other ones take some fleshing out, take some explanation.
0: Yeah, Proposition Nineteen is bananas. It's very, it's very yeah. difficult. Uh,
1: that one's the winner for like weirdest and most convoluted.
0: But one that'll have a lot of people's interests. Like it affects a lot of people's lives.
1: Yes, definitely. And then the data privacy measure is like oh, right. so long and complicated that I feel like I just have to tell people up front, like, I can't really explain this to you. I can give you some highlights, but yeah. you need to read the whole thing. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Remember, didn't like Jesse's community or like his connection fall off right then or something? And you're like, Jesse, yeah. <laughs> this is yours. It was
1: it was perfect because he's obsessed with data privacy and it was like he went to speak and his computer like exploded on him. Yeah. It just chef's kiss timing. Yeah.
0: His uh his roommate Gustavo Solis was uh doing the Chula Vista City Council um you know moderating that debate and and then his thing froze and I had to swoop in and and moderate. It was fine. It was, it's kind of like my calling that's like that's like what I'm built for. That was wonderful. You,
1: you had to swoop in. This is like the time when my wedding officiant quit at the last minute. Yeah. You were like, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> this, Any... this terrible misfortune has somehow <laughs> elevated me as a potential yeah. wedding I'm, officiant.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry that I might have to be the center of attention for a little while. I'm happy to go through that. Uh, If you are listening after Saturday, you can head to politifest.org and see some details and catch some recordings. If you are um, listening Friday, though, Friday evening, we've got some big debates, the mayoral debate. I'll be uh, working on that. We also have uh, a full day on Saturday. The uh, attorney general, of course, is going to be sitting down for an interview with Alon Stevens uh, about the future of policing in California. Alon Stevens from The Trace going to be a really good discussion i think we've got um so many things going on dozens of community conversations about um policing we also have a redistricting panel we're going to talk about redistricting redistricting sarah's that the heart of the republic what do you, you know representative democracy depends on what you are actually representing very passionate yeah, i How mean
1: that is true if you know we have a republic which who even knows anymore right Still important. Still important.
0: All right. Well, let's get in. First, uh, we had a little breaking news on Wednesday night during Politifest. You were searching for any reporter who could flesh this one out. Turns out there was a little bit of a COVID outbreak at City Hall. What happened?
1: Yeah, so we don't know um, some of the specifics, but what we do know is that um, somebody who attended Tuesday's city council meeting um, soon after tested positive for COVID. And that led to, you know, basically everybody who was at that meeting, which did include several members of the city council, uh, being quarantined for two weeks. And so it's, it seems like COVID has come for the council, come for city hall. Um, shut a lot of things down. This was not. This was a downside of Politifest. Is that not only were, uh, all the reporters busy doing Politifest, but actually all of the people who work for the city were also (laughs) appearing at Politifest. So that was a fun wrench.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we managed to get it though. Went up with the story. Wednesday, and uh, it was a a good one. Wednesday, we had a lot of great news. There was also, uh, I guess it wasn't great news for the city, but it was a good news piece for us.
1: Yeah, that's like the paradox of all journalism. (laughs) Uh,
0: Lisa Alvarez broke the news about the navigation center that Mayor Kevin Faulkner has been trying to get going for San Diego's East Village downtown. Remember, uh, let's just do, lay the groundwork for what happened. Years ago, the city, facing pressure from philanthropists to come up with something, especially one philanthropist named David Malcolm, to come up with a kind of navigation center where homeless people could go and get information about care and shelter, uh, decided to rush the purchase of a building that David Malcolm <laughs> owned or had taken control of and turned that building, which was an indoor skydiving center into this navigation center for the homeless. Now navigation centers, as you point out often Sarah are kind of on the vanguard of homeless solutions across the state with one crucial difference. Yes. Which is
1: so (laughs) the state has, you know been funding homelessness solutions um in a big way over the last few years including these navigation centers but the the difference i think that you're alluding to is that um other homeless navigation centers do this thing where they house the homeless they have places
0: for them to be
1: they, they provide them a home
0: do they have skydiving suits though
1: They don't. There's no tunnels that I know of in those other facilities. So, you know, there's
0: There's no (laughs) turbines-there's no turbines, turbines, is that what it is?
1: Right. Not that I know of.
0: So uh, what happened this week? Now we we interviewed, you might remember about a year ago, was it? When we interviewed Fran Butler Cohen, the CEO of Family Health Centers, CEO the Family Health Centers. Was the entity that got the contract to run this facility, this navigation center, without actual places for homeless people to shelter? She uh, made a pretty passionate case to us about what she was going to try to do with this and make the best of this asset that the city had rushed to purchase. And she, you know, it was a very moving interview. About uh, we, I remember being choked up based on what she was talking about, how many people were on the street, how many were dying. It was a really interesting moment. Now, what has happened this week, Lisa Halverstapp broke the news that Fran Butler Cohen and the family health centers have withdrawn from the whole deal. But the biggest part of the story was probably her quote dug up from an email that Lisa had gotten a hold of that said, quote, During the last year, we have come to understand from reliable sources that the Navigation Center project was orchestrated more as a public relations undertaking than a needed and important component of a homeless continuum, end quote.
1: Woo! That is the spiciest quote with the word continuum in it (laughs) I've ever heard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there there was a couple people like, well, this isn't news. We all knew it was kind of bogus. Yeah, but the person who was chosen to run this facility has now come out and said, like, this whole thing was, was bogus.
1: A, a stunt.
0: Yeah. And, and again, the city dropped like 4 or $5 million onto this project plus the effort to run it. And, and we all worried that this was just a, a sort of like institutional show that would actually not be able to help make a dent in the homelessness issue. And it was yet another service being provided in East Village, which concentrated more people in East Village for services.
1: Yeah, so the whole thing has been kind of beset. First, there were concerns about the building itself, the rush to buy it, how incredibly weird of a building it is. And then, you know, the the concerns turned to the project itself, that it's not going to house homeless people. Um, and I believe it was hit with quite a few delays in opening. Um, and so it's just been kind of problem after problem after problem. And I feel like the one thing that it truly had going for it was that a very serious, important person like Fran Butler-Cohen said, no, this is a good idea and we're going to make it work and we um care about this deeply we care about solving this problem deeply and we're here to do good work and now i mean she is scathing I, in her assessment of how it has gone
0: i backed off because of that yeah. i i used to just tear into this we have we've had podcasts about it where we really you know mocked the purchase you know why do you need a building to tell people where to go go out with iPads and you know, point them in the right direction or whatever. Go to where right. they are. There was
1: the whole. There was the whole deal about how they said they were going to have a DMV yeah, as one of the services, right. which like, yeah. come on. Yeah, like, they were
0: going to have all gonna these. Gonna have, like, like a mini
1: DMV in here.
0: Yeah, one-stop <laughs> shop for for this. And but you're right. That's exactly what I took from it. When Fran, Fran Butler Cohen got in there, I was like, well, all right, maybe this will turn into something. This is just a brutal development for the city and and for the um, uh, mayor who's. Again, most serious sort of legacy problems in his in his administration is just this just continuum, there you go, of botched <laughs> real estate efforts, right? Like it's just really quite impressive at this moment.
1: Yeah, and so the city's Kind of rebuttal is that the Housing Commission staffers are going to move in here, and the mayor's office seems very proud of the work that they've done with um, the convention center shelter that opened, you know, as a result of COVID. And they say that they've had good success transitioning people in the shelter um, to permanent housing. But that, in my mind, kind of undermines the main point because the convention center shelter is a shelter. And so you're saying, hey, it turns out it's successful when you house people and provide them services while they're housed. And the navigation center, to my knowledge, still isn't going to do that. So,
0: Yeah, just an extraordinary saga. Now, obviously, the city can rest on the idea that the building in such an important part of the city of downtown is probably still worth a significant amount of money. They could probably turn it into I got an idea housing it's like that it's somebody Whoa. might be willing I know somebody <laughs> might be willing to buy it and turn it into something that they could you know actually put people in so um, tough development there great reporting by Lisa Halverstadt on that one Now other reporting we did this week and and in the past Few weeks has been about a candidate for the district nine of the San Diego City Council. This is the district that represents uh, City Heights, uh, the College Area, Kensington, Talmadge. Kelvin Barrios, a, s- a former staff member for the current San Diego City Council president and representative of the area, Georgette Gomez, uh, had been going through a lot of things. One was uh, he'd been a- he'd been accused and acknowledged that he had. Um, sort of improperly managed some of the financing of some of the clubs and, and political organizations that he was a part of. And he was actually under investigation. And he sort of lied about being under investigation from the DA or 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 claimed that he wasn't, when in fact the district attorney did the kind of weird thing of saying, like, actually, we're not going to say you're not you are, but you kinda are. <laughs> And then then there was this revelation that our reporters had, uh, Jesse Marks and Andrew Keats, that he had flubbed on his disclosure forms by not acknowledging that he'd been doing and getting paid by a union, the laborers' union, uh, over the same period that he had continued to work for Georgette Gomez's in her office. So all of these things kind of added up. And then this week, rather abruptly... All resolved by him saying that he was going to suspend his campaign for city council.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, preceding that, there were some really notable, um, people backtracking on their support from him over the weekend. So, uh, Chula Vista Mayor Mary Salas, um, and a few others said, look, the time has come to, uh, revoke my endorsement of his campaign. And then soon after that, um, There was a very weird moment in which people were saying that Georgia Gomez had revoked her support, and yet she never made any sort of public announcement that she had done that. Um,
0: Yeah, it was kind of a classic, like, San Diego, like, her endorsement has been revoked, but her endorsement is a literal, like, public acknowledgement that she supports him, and it was never publicly revoked. So how can you say it was, like...
1: Yeah, I I don't know how that works, and... Pressing it didn't uh, really yield any answers, um, and then soon after he he announced he was suspending his campaign. So I suppose it made it moot.
0: So uh, that all of that combined, yeah, you, uh, Alejandro Sotales from National City also pulled back, and then the laborers' union itself, the one where he had gone to work pulled its support, and then the Labor Council pulled its support. But all of that happened, and, and of course, he suspended his campaign. Now, let's be clear on what that actually means. He will still be on the ballot against Sean Elo for that seat. And he was, I think, considered the f- frontrunner for the seat. So there is a scenario in which he could still win the most votes. And I think two things might happen at that point. One, he could say, look, despite this, the voters wanted me, I'm going to take that seat.
1: Yeah, and and so um, to drive that home, you know, he can't do anything at this point about about his name being on the ballot. That's not something he can control. Um, But he can control whether he would accept the outcome. And when the Union Tribune asked him if, you know, he still won the votes, if he would step aside, it seemed like he wasn't really willing to say that he would.
0: Right. And so... In the event that he does decide, like, okay, I I won, but I'm going to not take this seat, uh, then it would trigger an immediate special election. Now, what's interesting about that special election is that you could win it outright with more than 50% of the vote. The only, you know, we've gone through all this change over the last few years, that in order to win a city council seat, you need to actually go through a runoff, no matter how many votes you get in the first run, but for special elections, and I'm always learning apparently about the San Diego City Charter, uh, for special elections, they can win outright with just more than 50% of the vote. So that's how that would work. Obviously, suspending his campaign and not, you know, doing those things gives a bigger advantage to Sean Elo, who's running there, and he could probably put this away with some effort, but there's a lot of things that could play out.
1: Wait, so let's game this out one more step. So if that special election election happens... You know presumably Shalo would run in it again, but there's certainly a scenario in which Georgette Gomez, if she loses the race for Congress, could just turn right back around and run for the same seat that she's currently in, right
0: yeah, absolutely so um there that's it seems like a few things would have to go, obviously, there's a lot of steps before that, but yeah, she would have a pretty solid chance to get that seat back. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things. I think uh, I think people just need to remember, though, when you suspend your campaign, all you're doing is saying, I am going to just stop doing things to try to win.
1: All right, let me um, ask you a question. I haven't entirely gamed this bit out in my head, okay. so bear with me. Okay. Okay, so say... Kelvin Barrios wins and decides to take the seat even Mm -hmm. after saying he was suspending his campaign. And we live in a world where Kelvin Barrios is on the city council Mm -hmm. and Kevin Beiser is still a member of the San Diego Unified School Board. Yeah. How would you rate that reality on a scale of one to 10, a one being Bob Filner and a 10 <laughs> being the Padres win the World Series.
0: As in like unexpectedness or like as in good versus bad.
1: I I'm thinking more like how San Diego would it
0: be? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the Padres winning the World Series is the least San Diego thing ever. <laughs> that's so that's true. It's, there's But I think that there is something interesting about what he's decided to do because he felt like he could not keep going, even though all of, you know, even though what he's accused of, I think, is pretty significantly different and less clear than what Kevin Beiser was. So I think it's just a really there there's something that's that we've moved past this idea that there is a man on the city on the San Diego school board who was accused credibly of sexual assault and 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 lost the support of everybody he works with all of the party and everybody who supported him and yet he remains there as just like a guy on the school board and we've just like yeah. lived with that <laughs> he
1: he remains there as a guy on the school board during the biggest crisis in education in yeah. decades.
0: Yeah, and so he can't be a, a, a strong leader in this moment, and yet there he is, one of five with that responsibility. And so, yeah, I think it indicates that Barrios felt a lot of heat in ways that maybe we don't know about because um, because similar... Because the heat on the surface seems like something that in the age of Trump and San Diego-ness, you might be able to, like, persevere through.
1: Oof. San Diego, man.
0: (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. If you run a local small business or nonprofit, Voice of San Diego has started a project to help you. We're offering sponsorship and marketing packages with major discounts to help you get the word out about your organization. We're hoping to make it easier for small businesses and nonprofits to promote their products and services this year on this podcast, as well as on our website and newsletters. Get more details and sign up for a chance to join the program at VOSD.org boost. Again, that's VOSD.org slash boost. All right, well, we mentioned the PolitiFest is underway. One of the things uh, we have been asking some of the candidates about and talking about and explaining about is Prop 15. Now, again, I encourage you to go watch the uh, rundown that Sarah Libby and Jesse Marks did as they explained all of the California, again, the state ballot propositions. Propositions are state, measures are local. I'm glad they made that change, by the way. Like, that's kind of nice. Yeah, it's nice. nice. So, the propositions. Now, Proposition 15. Let me see if I can do this, Sarah. Basically, since the 70s, uh, House... Or property values have been capped. Uh, If you live in the same place or if you own the same building for a long time, it can only go up in value by 1% per year. And so, for decades, some people who've had their homes or their business or their buildings for decades, they have a rate or they have an assessment on their property that it's like, you know, for a home in like Ocean Beach, like 50 grand or something when it's probably worth a million dollars. And if the tax assessed value had gone up with the value of the property, the tax that they'd be paying is a lot higher. Right. Now, Prop 15 says, for commercial properties, shopping centers, office buildings, those kinds of things, we will begin to phase in an increase to their property values based on what they are actually worth Starting in 2023, right? Yes. For residential buildings or homes, no, those are exempt. Those will still be under the old deal. Right. And so what it effectively means is a very large increase sometimes over time of the property taxes that businesses would have to pay.
1: Yes, there there are plenty of exemptions um for small businesses, um exemptions for agricultural property, um but yes, all of that is true.
0: All right. Now this has been the highest priority for like like the the county workers union SEIU, uh the teachers unions across the state. They've been working on this for a long time. Like they've wanted to reform Prop 13 for decades, and now, like, this is the first big thing that has a chance. The governor finally endorsed it, but some Democrats are still having a little bit of trouble. Here was Ben Huesos, state senator, running for county supervisor seat uh, against Nora Vargas in the South Bay District One. And he said this on KUSI recently when the guy was uh, really, uh, the interviewer was not a fan of Prop 15, I don't think.
1: Yeah, they don't really uh, hide their views a lot. A
0: yeah. Are you referring to Prop 15, the tax on uh, small, on businesses and uh, property tax? Kind of a way to circumvent Prop 13, some would argue, but basically to help fund public education by taxing business owners more than co- coming out of a pandemic. Speak to the wisdom of that. So yes, currently I'm opposing uh, Prop 15. Uh, so for right now, uh, you'd have to be very disconnected uh, uh, from reality to want to support a measure that's going to help. Uh, that's not going to help businesses recover, Mr. Waysel. This conversation. So, you'd have to be very disconnected from reality to support this. Well, he has gone right, ahead right, and
1: right,
0: right. Di- <laughs> he's gone ahead and disconnected himself from reality because about two days later. He issued a statement saying, hey, turns out, I'm into this, uh, I heard from constituents, which I think means I heard from these unions, and I'm not interested in opposing this anymore, I'm all in, let's do this.
1: Yeah, the, the statement was interesting because one, I heard from constituents, and like that alone is, you know pretty telling people wanted me to change my mind so i did which isn't you know necessarily a bad thing um but he also says essentially like i i went and studied it and turns out i i didn't know anything about it yeah <laughs> which okay
0: yeah like you're going to go on tv and make <laughs> a big deal out of this like you'll have to like imagine going on if you're going on on tv and saying to to somebody that they are disconnected from reality if they are supporting this. And then to come back and be like, oh, I, I actually didn't know what was really going on. Yeah. Uh, he said in his statement, uh, these these constituents, business owners, teachers, public safety personnel, shared with me the importance of this measure and, and how badly we need this revenue to improve our schools and deliver essential public services. These are difficult times for small businesses, and yeah, they're worried, but... Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to do it, and and there's enough exemptions; it's okay. So, yeah, rather start. You rarely see it that quick. Yeah. All right. We also, I I, I decided to ask. Um, I was in, interviewing the two candidates to dis- debate, uh, moderating the two candidates running for city council district five, and Marnie von Wilpert, the the Democrat running in that race. I asked her. I thought for sure she was for. Proposition fifteen. I just thought it was a way to like kind of distinguish them. But then uh, I asked her, and this was her first part of her statement on it.
1: And it's um, I'm still looking at the fine print to see exactly how it's going to work. And as an attorney, I need to do that. But my my thoughts so far are we need funding for our schools, and that's where the funding
0: is going to go. Okay, so Uh, it sounds like she's in. in. But then here was her further take on it.
1: But then we have small businesses who are now been shuttered for three, up to six months because we asked them to, to keep us safe. And that's not something any of us expected. And so we have to make sure that they don't, they can actually meet an increased tax, you know, and that's something I'm I'm looking at as well.
0: So um, as I wrapped it up, I just said, are you, so you, you, you don't, you do, you kind of like it, but you don't support it. And she's like, I don't support it at this time. So, you know, it I mean, seems
1: to be the, the small business idea that is tripping everyone up. If you listen to that KUSI quote, he, he kind of starts to say small business, but like cuts himself off. Yeah. Um. So it's unclear whether he's like actually arguing that it impacts small businesses. And then Hueso in his follow-up statement says, oh, I studied it further and it turns out it, it wouldn't trip up mom and pop shops like I thought it would. Um, and that's clearly the hesitation that that Marty von Wilpert was having as well,
0: yeah, so it does exempt smaller um, businesses at what is it assets up to like five million or something like that.
1: I think it's three million in california holdings
0: right, so i but I think that there is a worry. I think that if you own a shopping center and this increases your your property tax, that there are leases or arrangements where you will literally pass that cost on to the small business that rent those spots, so um, you know, it was a, a fascinating moment. I think it's, it's going to be a big issue. I, I don't know if I've seen any polling on it, but probably the biggest of the, of the, how many 14 ballot measures are there?
1: 12. Well, uh, it it is definitely not the biggest. Um, prop 22, the Uber oh, right. and Lyft is like 500 bajillion dollars of money. <laughs> so,
0: um, it was, she wasn't the only one in that debate that had a little bit of a trouble with one of the questions I asked. Um, Joe Leventhal, who was running for that seat as well, about the president's comments about invasions coming to single-family home suburbs and uh, and whether he supported or agreed with that statement from President Trump. And he said he's not going to talk about national issues. And I said, do you consider yourself as Republican, a Republican supporter of the president? And he said, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not paying attention to national issues. Um, so both of them are kind of like you know they obviously have thoughts on these things <laughs> you know but they're not willing to share them
1: yeah it's kind of like wh- every time president uh trump says something insane and they try to ask republican senators about it it's like oh i haven't heard about what the president's been saying i, I couldn't tell you
0: i don't read twitter yeah exactly. yeah i
1: don't listen to news i don't <laughs> know things
0: <laughs> all right Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast. It's the most popular public affairs podcast in San Diego. Keep up with all our stories with The Morning Report, our most popular newsletter. Subscribe at voiceofsandiego.org slash morning. That's V-O-S-D slash morning. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Share it with your friends. As the election gets closer, we know more folks need to hear what is happening locally. Share the podcast now so your friends can get caught up. A link you can use is vusd.org slash pod or share this episode from your favorite podcast app. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and Editor-in-Chief. Sarah Libby was our, is our Managing Editor. And this show was produced expertly by Nate John. And just a shout out to the product team at Voice San Diego running the PolitiFest and the operations team. It's a big deal for us all. We're learning a lot. Thank you for your service. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.